And then there was one. The SEC entered the Sweet 16 as the conference with the most teams poised with the chance to get to the round of eight. And after just one night, they have just one team remaining. Plus, the rest of the stage is set for half of the Elite Eight. Arkansas came into the Sweet 16 as one of the feel-good stories of the NCAA tournament. And the Tennessee Volunteers looked like they had an easy path to the Final Four. Turns out, yikes. Neither of them are going to be advancing a complicated relationship with Cinderella in this SEC group. Joining me now from Locked On SEC, Chris Gordy. And Chris, let's start with Tennessee because that was the upset of this group. They go down to the FAO, FAU Owl 62-55 to at Madison Square Garden. What happened to Tennessee in this game? Man, their offense was just not good. I mean, they uh, struggled to find anything consistent offensively. I mean, when, you know, you basically have two guys score uh, in double digits, that's it. And it was 10, you know, like two guys scored 10 points. And that was it. They were looking for somebody to step up and hit big shots. And they just didn't have it. I mean, you go to Olivier Camus, who was so good in that Duke game, dropping 27 points. He only has six in this one. And, um, you know, Vescovy, who's been so good knocking down threes, he was just three for nine in, in this one. And, and as a team, Tennessee just didn't shoot the ball well. And so, you know, I thought they could maybe withstand, uh, you know, get through that if the defense was elite like it was against Duke. It was good, but it wasn't elite. Uh, FAU still was able to get what they wanted at the rim at times, and uh, it was just ugly. It was not a good game for Tennessee overall, and uh, eh, they're going home. Uh, not a not a new story for Rick Barnes in terms of uh, NCAA tournament shortfalls, but you and I were on this show just a few days ago talking about how Tennessee had a chance to now go to the Final Four. Now instead, they are making plans to go back to Knoxville. As for the Arkansas Razorbacks, they came in riding high, knocked off the number one seed. And in this game, speaking of not making shots, they could not buy a bucket in this game. They shoot th under 32%. Where did the offense go for Arkansas, Chris? Yeah, I mean, the offense wasn't that great for Arkansas, but it was more so their defense was just yeah, 88 not points. Awful. Not going to win a lot of games. Yeah, UConn jumped out to a 17-point halftime lead. They shot 61% in the first half, uh, and Arkansas was like 5 for 16 from 3. So, yeah, the, that was more you – know, I thought Arkansas, yeah, they struggled to find consistency on offense, shot just 31% in the game. But uh, to me, the story was just UConn getting whatever they wanted – on the offensive end, they only hit nine threes, but um, you know, shot fifty-seven percent from the field. And UConn played like a, a a really complete team. I thought that was one of UConn's better games they've played all year. And so, uh, yeah, it's uh, stinks to see it end this way. I know that uh, Eric Musselman was hoping for the third straight trip to an Elite Eight, but he'll come up short in a Sweet Sixteen. And uh, oh, good news—he's got two big five stars committed already for next year's class. That does help. Um, Alabama now, the hope of the SEC. They got San Diego State on Friday night. They they kick off the action on the Friday night slate. Uh, what do you see in this matchup with San Diego State? Yeah, I just think the way Alabama's played all year, they've played like the most complete team in the country. Um, you know, even in games where Brandon Miller hasn't brought his A game, they still have found other guys to step up from Javon Quinterly to – Noah Clowney. I mean, it's just there's always somebody that's ready to step up either on the offensive end or the defensive end. And, you know, go back to that game against Maryland last weekend. They played, you know, a B game, I thought, and still won by 20. So 
Um, San Diego State, it, they're going to have their work cut out for them. Uh, we'll see. You know, they like to get out and run and 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 play fast, and uh, I think that might suit Alabama's needs. So uh, we'll see. But as a reason, Alabama's about a seven and a half point favorite. I think they'll win uh, most likely by cover uh, double digits and cover that number. How do you think ultimately? we will remember this tournament for the sec. Is it going to be the Eric Musselman moment on the table? Obviously if Alabama goes and wins the national title, that will, that will make it easy. But if, if this is just the one team, let's say Alabama goes to the final four and has an inauspicious exit, how are we going to view this, this tournament for the sec? Yeah, it'll be a, l- a little bit disappointing. I mean, I think we, we got more teams in that, uh, than maybe we expected, you know, at one point this season, but you go back to the start of the season. I mean, Auburn, had high expectations with Bruce Pearl. Arkansas brought in all these big-time recruits, including Nick Smith, one of the top recruits in the country. So uh, there were a lot of programs that high, had high expectations, including Kentucky with the class they had here yeah. with Os- Oscar Shibway coming back. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll just say if Alabama doesn't win it or, or even get to a Final Four, I'll say it was a pretty disappointing year for SEC hoops. Stay up to date all year on the SEC by following Locked On Sports today and Locked On SEC on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, who will UConn face in the Elite Eight? The midway point of the NBA season has come and gone, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Couldn't you use $1,000? I know I could. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Or you can check out the matchup between the Phoenix Suns and Sacramento Kings in the late window. The Kings, three and a half point favorites in that one. Or you can combine multiple prop bets in one game into a same game parlay for an even larger payout. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Do you ever search for something on the internet that you don't want anyone else to know about? Do you ever think, I hope no one finds out I can't spell Antetokounmpo. I know most of you are probably thinking, why don't you just use incognito mode? Let me tell you something. Incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history. Your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. That's a true story. It doesn't matter who your internet service provider is. ISPs in the U.S. can legally sell your information to ad companies. Did you know that? ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on, mostly because I really turn it off. It se- runs seamlessly in the background and is so easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all of your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you not to be using it. I have it on my desktop computer and my phone. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com locked. And you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com locked expressvpn.com slash locked to learn more. Tom Brady announced on Thursday that he has purchased an ownership stake in WNBA franchise, the Las Vegas Aces. Of course, who better to help the reigning WNBA champions defend that title than Tom Brady? 
Normal people have a midlife crisis and they buy a sports car. Tom Brady buys a stake in a professional sports franchise. Normal, casual. The Philadelphia Phillies will be without starting first baseman Reese Hoskins for possibly the entire 2023 season. Hoskins suffered a torn ACL on Thursday while fielding a ball. The 30-year-old is set to become a free agent after the season. Hate, hate, hate these injuries, especially before the regular season even starts. Brutal. The Orlando Magic used a strong fourth quarter performance to beat the New York Knicks on Thursday night, 111-106. This is Philip Rossmanich, the host of Locked On Magic, and the Orlando Magic continue to show the poise to grow and win these close games, defeating the New York Knicks, 111-106 here at the Amway Center. It's been the storyline for a little while now, the Orlando Magic playing in close games, giving themselves more and more chances to win, and they've been inconsistent in these games. But in this game, it was all about the game of runs. We hear that cliche all the time from coaches, but it was truly about the game of runs. Orlando Magic took a 19-point lead in the second quarter. It looked like they were about to run away from with it, and the Knicks slowly came back, tying the game by the end of the third quarter, and that's when the Magic went to the huddle and said, we've got to win this game. We've got to find a way to win this game. And that's exactly what they did. They hit big shots down the stretch. They retook the lead. They gave it up again, but they showed the poise and maturity that a young team's going to need to eventually become a playoff team in the very, very near future. The Orlando Magic have their first win streak since early February, hard to believe, but another big moment of growth for a young Orlando Magic squad. And Brandon Ingram had his first triple-double in his career in a 115-96 Pelican wins over the Charlotte Hornets. It's a bit late in the season, but have the Pelicans finally figured some things out? I'm Jake Madison, host of Locked on Pelicans. That's three in a row for the New Orleans Pelicans, and they might have finally figured out what to do on offense without Zion Williamson. And it's pretty simple. Put Brandon Ingram in good spots and let him score and create for others. And it paid off against the Charlotte Hornets, with Ingram putting up his first career triple-double with 30 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists. With Brandon Ingram at the focal point and playing closer to the basket and not just isolation from the perimeter, it led to open looks and balanced scoring from the rest of the Pels. Five other players scored in double figures. But while maybe they figured some things out on this three-game winning streak, it's come against teams that are looking to lose and to tank the Rockets, the Spurs, the Hornets. If the Pelicans want to get into the postseason, into the playoffs, they're going to have to do this consistently on a tough upcoming four-game road trip. Welcome in. We're doing one of our final Locked On Bracket breakdowns for the first day of Sweet 16 matchups, Locked On Zags. Andy Patton, I could easily have been talking to a sad Andy, but I have a happy Andy <laughs> because, oh my goodness, I, I can't even, I don't even have words. I had no stake in that game. But that was just, that was great to watch. That is everything good about March Madness. Gonzaga UCLA is just a guaranteed instant classic. Not when UCLA was up 10, I felt like this thing's still coming down to the wire. Then Gonzaga got up by 10. Zag were up 10 with two and a half minutes left. And there was no security for anybody. Of course, a couple turnovers down the stretch. Man, it's, it is never not going to come down to the final seconds between these two teams. We've had three absolute classics in the last 17 years, two of them in the last three years. Uh, UCLA fans are going to really, really, really dislike Gonzaga players for a long time after this. Two backbreaking shots in the last few years to end their seasons. But uh, two West Coast powerhouses, it's so fun to see these two teams get a chance to match up against each other. Certainly no love loss between the two, but great games we get out of it both times. Um, save for those a little bit of that that intense run that UCLA made at the very end there. Mm -hmm. The second half adjustments were just yeah. impressive. What what was Mark Few able to do and kind of switch around to work other than 
uh, Timmy just being a beast in general. Yeah, I, I mean, they didn't do much different with Drew in the second half than they did in the first half. They just got him the ball and let him go to work. Uh, defensively, we saw some some changes in personnel. They played less of Nolan Hickman, less of Rasir Bolton, who were the, the two starting guards for Gonzaga. They were kind of having rough games. We saw a lot of Hunter Salas in the second half, a lot of Malachi Smith in the second half. Those guys are just better on-ball defensive players. Certainly didn't help that didn't hurt that Malachi Smith went on an offensive scoring spree at a really, really critical time for the Zags. And I think out, out of that, a lot of it was kind of just wearing UCLA down. We, we saw Mick Cronin, they, they attempted to start to slow the game down early in the first half after they kind of built up a big lead because they knew we're, we're missing a Dembona. We're missing Jalen Clark. We don't have uh, as many of our players as normal and we can't run with the Zags for 40 minutes. And so they mm-hmm. tried to slow it down. But uh, once, once we got in the second half and once Gonzaga got going, UCLA, I, I just think they, they didn't have the energy. They were gassed. And, and I mean, you could see it on Jaime Jaquez. He was just worn down. And, and eventually, you know, this is kind of how Gonzaga beat Memphis last year in the NCAA tournament of you, when teams try to run with you, let them. And then you're going to beat them in the second half. And, and Gonzaga's done this. It's not good for anybody's heart rate who follows the team in Spokane, but it is how they win a lot of games. And it has to be so rewarding to see. Obviously, they make deep runs in March Madness, seems like every mm-hmm. single year. But to see it pay off and, and have like maybe a rough first half, but know that they can make the adjustments and mm-hmm. come back in these games and really win. I mean, I, I don't know if that's a question necessarily, yeah. but it's got to be satisfying to watch. Yeah, well, I think for Gonzaga, they don't, they're not the underdog very often either. They're, they're, people are gunning for them all the time. And this, I mean, the, the last time the Zags wore dark jerseys in an NCAA tournament game, uh, it's, been a, it's been a while. They're normally wearing the whites because mm-hmm. they're the, the higher seed. And in this case, for them to actually pull off a upset, I mean, it's a two versus three, but, but it's rare for them to even be in that position and, and to, to make a run like this. I mean, we're talking about a year that people considered this a down year for Gonzaga. They finished ranked in the top 10. Now they're going to the elite eight. Like if that's a down year, I think people are going to be pretty darn happy in Spokane for a long time. All right. Let's give Drew Timmy some shine because obviously he was otherworldly today. We know he has it in him, but mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine anybody predict that. No, it's as good as he's ever played. And and that's that's not something you can say lightly when talking about Drew Timmy. I mean, this is a guy who scored close to 30 points against Evan Mobley, who's one of the best defenders in the NBA. And he did it against him in college uh, against USC a few years ago. This, this is a guy who's done it on a big stage for, for four years. And for him to come out in this game, have that kind of production in the first half and still be able to bring it in the second half, UCLA continued to double down on their strategy to not double team Drew Timmy, play him in single coverage, and he just absolutely went to work. Hitting outside shots, getting to the free throw line. He's not great there. That was an issue down the stretch. Almost cost him, quite honestly. But uh, this is a this is a young man who committed to this being his final year of college, but man, he does not want it to end, you can tell. Certainly not. He's definitely playing like he doesn't want it to end. We talked earlier this week. You said if they were lucky enough to advance to the Elite Eight, which they are, you didn't want UConn. They looked as good as you can look earlier today. Mm-hmm. How quick and and how, how soon? I'm sure Mark Few's already thinking about it probably. <laughs> yeah. um, do you have to get ready for them? And what are you expecting in the next round? Yeah, that, that UConn-Arkansas game was a perfect proof of, of why I didn't want to face UConn in the Elite Eight. Uh, they, they have... What they have that UCLA didn't have in this game and what Gonzaga hasn't seen a lot of is they have two dynamic post players. Donovan Klingon and Adama Sonogo are both so, so good. And for the Zags, I don't know how they're going to stop Adama Sonogo. And they few have. That's the, He's one of the leading scorers throughout they the NCAA tournament. He's been... Yeah, he's been an absolute machine this season. And I think that's going to be a really, really tough matchup for the Zags. But 
UCLA was a tough matchup for them, and 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 here they are. They, they've proven they can keep winning, and I, I I think they have a great chance to to be in the Final Four yet again. An absolute classic, I think we saw tonight for sure. Definitely want to check out Locked On Zags because I would love to hear all about when you guys break that down. Of course, Locked On College Basketball as well. You guys cover everything throughout March Madness, so all of our viewers should check that out. Stay up to date all year on the latest in college basketball by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On College Basketball on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, where do the Michigan State Spartans go from here? Welcome in. We've got another Locked On College Basketball Bracket breakdown, Matt Sheehan in from Locked On Spartans. Last time we talked, you were very happy. Today, not so much. Heartbreaker is, I don't even know if it covers it for you, because I was saying I didn't have any investment in this game, and it was emotionally draining. So I can imagine for you this was really difficult. What's the hardest part about it? Is it the fact you feel like you could have won or did you have issues? Yeah, I mean, that has to be it. Yeah, because look, like Michigan State played a, a pretty good game and pretty good games usually win a lot of times. Unfortunately, we ran into a team that just outright played a great game. Um, I, I said this you know, on Twitter earlier, but it, it felt like we were watching a Disney movie, but we were the villain. Like it's a Disney original special on a undersized point guard who came back home, who had a F, but came back, beat his team in overtime, beat the odds. Like it, it it truly felt like we were just on the wrong end of a Disney film because everything worked out for Kansas state. And look, that's not to say that Michigan state didn't have their chances. Make one more free throw at the end of the game. You, You think one free throw would be important at the end of a game that goes to overtime it is so, but again, like overall, though, like the kids played great. One guy that missed a free throw, Joey Hauser, can't be going crazy at him too much. Like he had a pretty good game overall. Malik calls another guy that had a missed free throw as well. But I, and I know that he is going to be the guy to blame for a lot of state fans because he was at the wrong place for a lot of these plays down the stretch. Could have grabbed that ball at the end of overtime, but again, like everyone in the arena thought that it was an air ball. Of course, he's going to let it go out of bounds. He got caught in some action there off that inbound play for Masood. Of course, the guy that you know just absolutely killed Michigan State because that's what you know us Spartan basketball fans are used to. Other random guys just killing Michigan State. Uh, he was caught up in the wrong play there and had to see this guy splash another play home. And um, yeah, the, the last play at the end was wacky, did not work. But again, I, I can't just draw it up to one play here. You had opportunities to win it at the end, but then again, like MSU did a really good job of putting themselves in contention at the end there. So like that, that's what hurts is that um, MSU played really, really good, really, really good. Maybe and like an eight and a half out of 10, but no, Kansas did. State played it. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's okay. They did it at the end too. Cause what I was yeah. going to say is like, it definitely got really to close to that point where it was out of hand, but they really would battle back and get yeah. themselves in this. And it turned into at the end, almost whoever had the ball last is how it yep. felt like. Yep. And I don't want to go too much into that last play. Obviously, I'm sure you'll get into this on yeah, your podcast. Right, but, we will. Uh, a lot of it is just like, does it is it worse because they got to this point that you kind of get your hopes up, or are you like happy yeah. with what they were able to do in the tournament? You know, because of some of the inconsistency problems. One hundred percent. Yeah. Like, look, you get the draw that you do uh, once you beat Marquette, and it's a Kansas State team who's obviously very good. A Tennessee team on the other side that's very good, and even Florida Atlantic is uh, is solid. Yeah. But it's not like you got to go against a Bama or a Houston, right. for example, or like a UCLA or a Gonzaga buzzsaw. Like this was the most winnable region. And by the way, Michigan State played in those first two games of the tournament. Like, yeah, you're thinking, all right, got the guy that is what 
10 and 14 in Sweet 16 games. He has been to eight Final Fours. He is the most experienced coach here by far. Yeah, like odds don't say we're going to go to the Final Four, but that is definitely an outcome that is likely to happen. And yeah, I, look, I, it, it, Izzo coached a pretty good game. The one knock I do have, though, is that Marquise Noel played mm. outstanding. He was out, outrageously good. And he talked about that he can drive, and then when the help defense comes, okay, well, that means someone's going to be open under the hoop, and he found him, not most of the time, every, every time. single time, every single time. And it's like, how how can I, an idiot from my couch with just a little podcast, know that's going to happen all the time? And, yeah. well, the, but whatever. I mean, I, again, I, I can't be too hard on him, eh, because well, this has brought us a lot of greatness, and he got us to this place anyway, so... It is what it is. I'm doing a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking, a lot of hindsight, which is uh, you know what we're good for is host of talk shows. But like that's one thing that bothered me. It's like I, you didn't know that that's what Kansas State does. That's that is their blueprint, and we saw it for 45 minutes today. 45 minutes. Yeah, 19 yeah. assists was an NCAA yeah. record. Like yep. absolutely out of this world. But it took every you know every point and every assist he had to get that win over. Yeah. In state, I'll try to end a little positively. Looking forward, obviously, they were able to make the Sweet 16 here yeah. for the first time in a little bit. What do you hope to see from the team next year? Yeah, I mean that's that's the interesting thing because we do have a really good recruiting class coming in. Although I am a little more reluctant to just trust a crop of freshmen more than maybe a lot of other people, mm. but. It's going to be a waiting game to see who comes back this offseason. Like, will Tyson Walker come back? He's got another year of eligibility. Joey Hauser, he's probably not coming back, although we'd really love a 45% shooter from three, but he's all but said he's not coming back. But look, and if A.J. Hogard comes back, that's awesome. Jaden Aikens come back, great. And, and I say this because like, you can never say with 100% certainty that a kid's coming back. Like, right. most likely, are they? Sure, yeah, of course. But with that said, like, you do have a good veteran crop especially of wing players. And the wing players got MSU to the Sweet 16. You're introducing a nice crop of freshmen. Hopefully the freshmen this year grow up a little bit. And yeah, I, I think overall this season, though, MSU did take a step back forward. I mean, we're, we're used to like being a blue blood, being great. And it's really weird. And this is going to cause, you know, a lot of disagreement here. To a successful season for Michigan State. Um, but look, they were... To start the season outside the top 25, they really had a lot of adversity on and off the court during the season, and they got back to the Sweet 16, which was a knock on Izzo for the last, what, three tournaments? So, yeah, if there's any silver line, is that, hey, next year is looking good, but then again, Kai, heartbreak can also happen again next year. I mean, this is March Madness after all, so, like, yeah, I mean, it's it is what it is. Let's just live in that win over Marquette. That was huge. Yeah. I feel like that's how I will remember Mashi. And it's just a happy person <laughs> of you. Yeah, um, I used to be happy. Yep, that's right. But now I got to just turn the page to Detroit Tigers baseball, a team that's going to lose 112 games, and uh, then a football team that's coming off a really good season, too. So <laughs> we're going to let you be alone with your thoughts. I know you need to. No, no, that. please don't. Please don't let me. <laughs> no, it's fine. Everyone check into Lock on, Lock on Spartans. You'll get a recap of all of the fun stuff with Matt. And then, of course, Locked on College Basketball is all your bracket breakdown stuff. And finally, the NFL said on a memo to teams on Thursday that a person named Ken Francis, who is not NFLPA certified, may be attempting to persuade NFL personnel to enter contract negotiations with Lamar Jackson. Of course, shortly thereafter, Lamar Jackson tweeted that he and his business partner, 
Ken Francis, you might remember that name, will be releasing a physical fitness product this summer. I have to admit, this reminded me a little of when it turned out Donald Trump was doing his own PR under a fake name. Picture Lamar calling teams like, this is definitely not Lamar, but he wants a guaranteed contract. Just, that's where, that's where my mind went. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up Monday, where will Odell Beckham Jr. play? Sounds like the Big Apple. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.